Hi everybody, my name is Jimmy Carroll. I'm the Vice President of Operations at Tech B2B Marketing. And I'm here live on site in Waltham, Massachusetts at uh, the Humatics headquarters and I'm joined by Ron Rinaldi. Ron, thanks very much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Ron, please tell us a little bit about, uh, about your company and what you do there. Sure, Humatics uh, actually was founded in, in 2015 uh, by an MIT professor by the name of David Mendel. And if uh, you've had the opportunity to watch the Discovery Channel or the History Channel, uh, especially at about two, three in the morning, you see those, <laughs> those great ships with um, uh, discovering the Titanic with Bob Ballard. Uh, David had the opportunity to do 20, 25 uh, missions with Bob, and his uh, role on the, the ship was to map those seabed floors with sonar. Mm -hmm. And uh, from that, he had the, the vision of what was coming in robotics and in, let's call it, digital awareness. And so the company was created in 2015 to mm -hmm. create the next generation of location technology as it relates to uh, real-time data feeds into disparate systems. Hmm. So, so how did it, I mean, you kind of told me how it started, but were there sure. certain applications in mind when, when it began in 2015? There were actually, so, so the name Humatics is human and robotics combined. Uh, so the vision was to enable that, that digital awareness for collaboration between human and robotics. Uh, right from the get-go. Mm. And if you think about it, in 2015, robotic arms and, and AMRs and the like were still maturing. Mm -hmm. So it was quite, the, uh, quite the, uh, the advanced look forward for someone like David to see where this was coming because today what we're seeing is a, an incredible need for industrial grade location information that has um, a level of, uh, let's call it robustness for industrial environments. So um, to give you an example, what I mean by that is if you think about a vision system today, they're excellent at picking things up and, and uh, you know looking at a part coming down a conveyor belt. Mm -hmm. But really, when you start thinking about human and robotics collaborating and robotics and robotics collaborating, they need to be aware of where they are in relationship to each other in real time. And that piece where light changes, where people have different clothing colors, um, where the uh, uh, there's smoke or smog that's more difficult for the traditional systems. Mm. So having that foresight it was, was, a, was a, a, a pretty impressive feat. So when you talk about things like when people's clothes change and, and, uh, sure. and the term that you guys use I think is spatial intelligence, yes. is that right? That's right. What does that look like in operation? So if, yeah. if, somebody, if somebody gets too close to a robot or something, how does your yeah. product intervene? So, so uh, Hematics is a core technology is, is not a safety system. What we are is a very precise location system. And so what we would do, let's say for example, we're on a, an automotive production line mm -hmm. and there's a robotic arm that now is sitting working next to the humans. The, um, the robotic arm is going to be fully aware of the products in which are moving through that space okay. and we can direct it to that, that product as it's moving so it can take the action that, the, that for example, ah, the arm okay. needs. Now, in the example I'm using, if the humans are in that space, well, they may come in with a bright yellow jacket or really you know, red hair or the light may change during the day or maybe there, there is smoke in the environment. Radio frequency is, uh, is much less sensitive to those than, for example, a vision system. Mm. So if, for example, you have a robotic arm that's doing that in the environment, you leverage the safety system of the robotic arm. However, if you decide you want to have the robot and the human collaborate, all you would need to do is just put a, a sensor on the human and now the robotic arm knows where the human is before the safety system is even needed. Mm -hmm. So it's things like that that allow collaboration and, and literally working together in, in that industrial space. 
Okay, yeah. So, so you mentioned radio frequency. Is yes. that? I was going to ask about the underlying technology. Yeah. How does? Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, so we are actually the uh, patent holder and the inventors on the underlying technology. We actually have developed a very high frequency um, uh, chip that will actually be able to send and receive the uh, the location data, and it's done through multiple frequencies that allows us then through geometry really, to figure out where a transponder, which is what we'll put on different assets, to determine where it is with very high precision, very high repeatability. And so our system will be able to tell, uh, for example, range precision with less than 250 microns. Mm. And as you combine multiple sensors together to create a pose on a rigid body, we'll be able to give you sub-millimeter precision as you're in the work zone that you're trying to direct the robotics to uh, take action. How does, how does your technology get integrated into a new or existing system? Uh, it's a great question. Humatics has taken a, um, a really unique approach, and a lot of this is, is predicated on what we're seeing with Industry 4.0. All of our location data, which is being streamed in real time, is actually available via a RESTful API. So as long as, and it's over UDP, so as long as, um, let's call it a robotic arm or an AMR or a, a PLC, you basically are just going to need to subscribe to the data stream and you'll be able to ingest it concurrently into multiple systems. Mm. So it is a very, very open system, which is, which is what enables us to work with different robotic vendors concurrently. Which is a very good thing, right? Because robotics yes. adoption is growing. Absolutely. Um, if you look at numbers from the International Federation of Robotics and AIA3, the Association for uh, right. Advancing Automation, all these figures say robot adoption is growing. So, how does your how does your technology enhance robotic applications? That's a it's really a fantastic question. Again, so if you can imagine the next generation, and we'll talk about industrial right now. Although we do uh, a little work in in gaming, we do a little work in medical. Uh, but if you think about industrial as an example, today robotic arms are you'll often see them in sub assembly, and they'll be picking uh, parts from a bin or they'll be pinned to a, a particular section of the, um, uh, the environment. Well, the next generation is to start putting robotic arms into work zones that are dynamic, that can mm. actually be part of things in motion, other things in motion um, that it can interact with. So uh, a chassis that's coming by that then needs to be, uh, the parts need to be bolted into it, or an engine and a transmission that are coming together, whatever it may be. But all of those right now don't see a fair amount of automation because of the fact that you need to have a, a, a processing speed of the location of what's happening that's quite rapid. Mm -hmm. And because our data is so lightweight, but we can turn it into highly valuable data, we enable a different level of applications now to be used in motion. Even with things like putting a robotic arm on an AMR mm -hmm. and even having the work product itself move, but they are aware of each other and they can actually interact. So it's a whole different level of efficiency and enabling humans and robotics to collaborate. Mm. And let me give you an example of that. If you can imagine uh, in that same industrial environment, if a human gets into a vehicle and they're assembling a part of the vehicle, today they have to manually bring tools in or even the part in. Well, if the robotic system is always aware of where the human is, it can actually hand the heavier pieces to the human in the car, or even place them in the car, and let the human do the work with the robotic system. Sure. So instead of just being core safety, safety will always remain a very high priority, but now it's collaboration. 
Mm. So, you know, the big promise of robotics is to work together with humans, and that's something that is coming, and these applications are something that, that we are uh, we're able to enable. Mm. That's great. So on the topic of applications, what are, what are either some applications where you've seen your product uh, deployed successfully or, or somewhere you think it could add a lot of value? Yes, yes, great question. We've seen, uh, we've seen the products deployed in the industrial environment where we have in-motion uh, torquing, for example, of, uh, of different parts to uh, a vehicle chassis. Mm -hmm. We do work uh, in the uh, automotive uh, aircraft manufacturing where, especially when we get into large-scale military aircraft, um, where you need to have awareness of robotic arms with very high-value parts. Sure. Uh, we've been doing work in, in medical, okay. in robotic medical industry. Um, we've also been doing work in, in the, uh, the gaming industry. Uh, so if you can imagine, if one of our, our greatest strengths is range precision, and that's less than 250 microns, and you combine that with a vision system, when the vision system, it's, it's, let's call it the, the part that it can use the most uh, assistance with is precision on range, well, bring those two together. And then you've got the ability to really have the human as they're interacting with the, the system, the, um, the, the gaming system, have very high precision in, in all the different elements that mm. need to feed into what is the human really doing in relationship to the game. So, so that's a really exciting part. Yeah, yeah, so there's obviously a lot of different types of applications. Right. I, I don't know if this is a stretch, but has it ever been deployed or could it be deployed in, in robotic surgery? In fact, we're working with, uh, with one of the, um, um, the world's largest robotic surgery companies right now. Oh, okay. Um, and so if you can imagine in, uh, with radio frequency, it, it has a, a more tolerant um, capability of seeing through things, and what I mean by that is it can see through surgical curtains. Mm -hmm. um, if, there's, if there's things that are occurring during a surgery that will obscure some of the, uh, let's call it the, um, uh, the, the surgical room, splatter and things along those lines, we can work in those environments so we can help the robotic system really understand where the patient is and where the other assets are within that surgical environment. I'll even take it a step farther. Imagine if you're putting a, um, our radio frequency technology on the tip of a surgical tool. And now you have the ability to understand where the human surgeon is actually using that surgical tool to guide them, for example, on how deep do they put a screw into a, uh, a bone? Mm. Um, where did they drill the hole? And is it, is it, are they not going to, let's say, go beyond that, that level of precision they need so they won't damage the patient? All of those things are part of what we're working on right now uh, with the radio frequency technology. So the way we envision it, we focus on providing very high fidelity location data, and we have the ability to work with many different types of applications. Uh, but what we focused on initially is working in the environments that can, can leverage technology quite quickly, mm -hmm. which is why we started with industrial, sure. and now why we're expanding out into, uh, into medical and others. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, how, does, how does it compare to alternatives, mm -hmm. the, the product itself? So, uh, one of the big differentiators is really the, uh, what we are talking about earlier, is its ability to uh, really be leveraged in environments that are, are less than ideal. And so, we don't, we don't look at it as we're going to go in and just replace all the vision systems or replace the laser systems. Actually, we look at it as there's going to be a place for all of these technologies. And frankly, I think there's a, a great opportunity for them to really work together. Mm. Um, so if you can imagine, for example, 
a seventh axis on a, um, uh, maybe where a robotic arm is interacting with a product on a conveyor belt. Well, if you imagine you know, less than 250 microns of range precision, that can then be combined with a vision system that's picking parts off of a belt, it's a great combination of the two, mm. right? So, so I would encourage, you know, if you're thinking about microlocation, there's incredible use cases for it, but it can be combined with other technologies to create the best of breed. And so that's, that's part of the, the way that I would encourage people to think about you know, microlocation and the different use cases and ways it can be used. Yeah, one of those one of those uh, use cases I, I saw on your website is train positioning. But right. What? How does it work there, and what are the what are the benefits that it delivers to you know subway systems or? or uh, absolutely. So uh, we have um, we have the microlocation technology, which is what I've been referring to with the robotic control, and then we have our ultra wideband technology, which is designed for the rail industry um, and the mobility industry. And what that does is, is you put that technology on a train. We've done a tremendous amount of work in enabling that positional data to be very highly valuable to those train systems. How do you increase performance? How do you know where it is when it goes into a tunnel? Mm -hmm. You know, how do you transition it from a GPS into a tunnel so that the system knows where the train is so you can get maximum uh, performance uh, where you know where there's potentially a maintenance issue? And there's a lot of applications that can be built on top of this data to really change the user experience. And the cost profile and the profitability profile are uh, really not profitability for, for the rail industry, but, um, but really efficiency profile for, uh, for the, the metros and the like. So sure. it is a next level of highly efficient location data that can be expanded to many different use cases. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it. Um, to hone it in a little bit, you know, on the podcast word manufacturing matters. So, in the context sure. of manufacturing, what are you, what are you most excited about? Not only in the space, but in terms of how your product can help, maybe open the doors to new applications as, as you know, manufacturing processes grow and evolve. Absolutely. Well, in a large part, and this is, I think, one of the prime tenets. We're a very open system. So, as manufacturing continues to mature. And as we start looking at, uh, let's call it industrial spaces that want to uh, ebb and flow based on the demand, by, in, by putting microlocation into the equation, you no longer have to, let's call it hard, uh, set up those manufacturing environments. So by making the robotics uh, aware of the environmentals, the, the infrastructure, if it needs to change, if you need to add five, six, seven, ten robotic arms because you're getting near a holiday season, um, <laughs> and you want them to be able to interact with the, the, the environmentals, all of that becomes dynamic, for example, right? Because the, the programmatically, you don't have to hard program the robotic arm to be in one physical spot. They can actually move around in the, in the space. So as the space grows, as it changes, it's very rapid to respond to that. That's a great opportunity for the way that uh, manufacturing is, is looking to go toward Industry 4.0 and beyond. We're an enabler of that. We're an enabler of, of the human and robotics now be really beginning to collaborate and work together. So as we think about uh, the humans in a, uh, in a manufacturing facility, one of the things that comes with what everyone's dealing with today is there's a lack of labor. Mm -hmm. But you want to leverage the highly valuable labor to be able to do the more valuable jobs and then let the robots come in, the robotic arms and the like, to assist those people. Mm -hmm. And that's a big part of what we're enabling as well. So how do you get the maximum efficiency by using robotics, but to support the, the human that's highly valuable in the manufacturing process? And that will really begin to expose a different class of applications to make 
production, um, uh, uh, let's say higher quality, to maybe have more throughput, to increase profitability. All of those things come with the nature of applications that this technology enables. Mm. Yeah, and it's not, yeah, exactly. I'm glad you touched on that, right? Because robots aren't so much displacing humans. They're That's right. allowing them to add value in different parts of the plant floor, removing them from those dull, dirty, dangerous absolutely. jobs. You know? so. Absolutely, absolutely, yes, yes. Let's see, Ron, um, talk to me a little bit about partnerships. I've seen some uh, announced recently in the news, and like so many other vendors in the in the let's say automation community, partnerships are very important. What, what do yes. those look like for you? We're very excited to have uh, a number of partnerships. Uh, we do a lot of work with uh, Universal Robots. Um, we do work with KUKA. Uh, we are uh, engaging with Mitsubishi and Yaskawa, uh, all of which have an, a tremendous footprint in the industrial markets, sure. in the surgical markets. Uh, and what we're doing is we're enabling that, the class of applications we were talking about earlier we're enabling those, for example, those robotic arms to start participating in applications that, that previously they weren't uh, being put into place for. Mm. So it's opening up, and it has the potential to open up many new markets to really expand the automation within a lot of these very large-scale companies that are looking to bring in the next generation of, uh, of robotics to handle tasks like we were just talking about, mm. where we want to get the humans to a more valuable um, uh, uh, part of the manufacturing process, or we need them to work together to avoid fatigue or potential hurting a human. And so we're enabling those, we're excited to be working with, with our partners on that. Um, all of the folks I mentioned are, are excellent, uh, excellent partners and they've got great technology and by feeding our data directly into their control systems, we do facilitate that real-time control with that, that uh, sub-millimeter precision and that has proven quite valuable for uh, for the applications we've worked on with them. Very cool. Yeah. So I've kind of already asked you about this, in, in, maybe twice, but uh, you, <laughs> you mentioned uh, you know how partnerships will maybe open the door to new markets, yes. new applications. Are there any others that you haven't mentioned that you think, you know, the combination of of your technology and robotics and, and vision systems can open up in the future? There are. Uh, it's endless. Yeah. Frankly. Fair right? And so, so I'll give you an example. Um, Let's think about uh, let's think about the uh, let's the aircraft market, the drone market. Just very simple, right? So as as our technology continues to mature and enhance, if you think about a precise landing or an in motion landing with the with the drone, and you need to get it to a very specific spot, it's a great use case for uh, for humatics technology, right? Um, as as we really continue to grow in, in the robustness, think about mining. Mm. Um, you know, think about the the robotic control that can happen with mining to do something as simple as having an automated rock crushing. Something like that can be applied to humatics. So, there are markets that, and again, the way that we look at it, there are markets that we're not actively pursuing. Yeah. But as the technology becomes more pervasive, what I think what we'll find is this will be applied to many many different types of industries and use cases. And because of the openness of what we do, we can welcome that with open arms. Very cool. Yeah. Anything else, Ron, that I haven't asked about that you want to mention? You guys are excited about um, 2023 or beyond, or have you kind of covered everything? I think we're, we're extremely excited about uh, the next five years, uh, next 10 years in, the, in this market. Uh, I think what, what we're seeing is, um, especially in robotics, as A3 was sharing in, uh, at the event, is you know there's a, an incredible place for automation in the marketplace and the growth will be tremendous mm -hmm. um, we're excited to be part of that i think we're excited to support that and be a great partner for for the companies that we are working with and the ones that we haven't engaged with yet 
because um, we, do, we do see that growth coming. Um, and we do see the ability to really enhance the, the way that the market as a whole, humans as a whole, the way that robotics really become part of a very safe and efficient way to uh, bring manufacturing, to bring surgery, to bring gaming to a different level. Yeah. Um, and, and we're fully expecting that. And we're very excited to be part of it. Yeah, totally. I mean, at the A3 yeah. event that you mentioned, the business forum, Alan Bolia during his uh, annual Global Economic Outlook said, yeah. there, you know, there is a minor recession coming in. During that period, automation will help keep the economy afloat. So, you know, the industrial world's reliance on automation has been growing and growing and, and, and will continue to grow. So your, um, yeah. your ability to kind of enhance and augment existing and new systems will be uh, will be fascinating to watch over the coming years. So, so uh, Ron, I, I thank you so much for uh, for letting us come here and visit and for taking the time to talk with me. Uh, hey, everybody! Once again, my name is Jimmy Carroll. I'm the vice president of operations at Tech B2B Marketing. This is the Manufacturing Matters podcast. Ron, once again, thank you. Thank you, Jimmy.